Berto, let's talk about the movie The Sound of Metal. What do you say? Let's do it. This is the Psychology in Seattle podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Kirk Honda. I'm a therapist, and I'm also a professor. My name is Umberto Castaneda, and I sell hybrid and electric surfboards. So I'm just going to review the plot and spoiler alert, but it's not really spoilable because it doesn't really have a plot. So if, if you don't plan on watching it or if you do plan on watching it, probably wouldn't ruin it to hear the story. Anyway, so Ruben and Lou are in a band and they are touring. They're in a RV and they're going across the United States and it's a two person band. And Ruben, the drummer, begins to lose his hearing and Ruben gets upset. Lou, Ruben's girlfriend, doesn't know what to do. And we learn that he's also in recovery from addiction. Ruben, who is losing his hearing, enters a home with other deaf people. He doesn't like it at first, but soon warms up uh, to the others. His mentor tries to get him to accept being deaf. Like he said, you know, he says things like, us deaf people, we don't see being deaf as something that we need to cure. And you need to accept the fact that you're deaf now. And he also tries to help him just sit and just be, just be at peace with yourself, regardless of being deaf or not. Just just be at peace. Uh, Ruben uh, sneaks out of the uh, home and gets an ocular implant. He gets kicked out of the home because of his ocular implants. He travels to Paris to find Lou again. He tries to return to his old life to be with Lou and to be in a band, and he realizes that he can't go back to that old life. And he, at the very end, turns off his implants and sits quietly. So, Berto, what is the moral of this story, first of all? Um, it's a hard one, because on the one hand, if I interpret the ending scene, the way I thought about it was, uh, you know, when he was in the home in the, in the, uh, and his mentor was trying to ask him, hey, all the times that you've been in that room where you're supposed to be writing and essentially finding calm, did you ever find calm? Were you ever at ease or at, at rest? Uh, and then, you know, he basically doesn't really answer the question, which means no. But I felt like in that last scene, he takes off in desperation, he takes off the the, the cochlear thing, the implants, or not the implants, but the, the little device, and is all of a sudden at peace in a in a weird way because he's sort of realizing his new reality is his new reality. So I I feel like if you were gonna take that as the 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 takeaway, it would be that if you thrash around denying your reality, you're not going to be able to move forward or it's gonna be very difficult. But if you pause and you take in your your new reality, then you might actually be okay, or at least be able to move forward. That's the sense I got. Yeah, that's interesting. I think that was similar to what I pulled. I I pulled away maybe even a more general thing, which is that not only just accepting your reality, but just being who you are or being at peace, being still. I, I found myself at the very end breathing for a second and just saying, yeah, you know, cause there's so much that we are in constant 
um, you know, these, these constant hamster wheels in our brain. Okay, got to get this done. Got to make sure we clean the house. Got to make sure that my body looks the right way. Got to make sure that I get all those things. Got to make sure I please the boss. Got to make sure I look at my finances. Got to make sure that I pay those bills. Got to make sure that, uh, you know, I have the right thoughts in my head. You know, got to prepare, get the right degree, get the right car. And we rarely, because of our materialistic society, are encouraged to just just sit and just stare out the window and and be in to some extent silence you know metaphorical silence or actual silence and i thought that was an interesting i didn't know where the movie was going at the end <laughs> I, I was like i was lost the last and actually to be honest i didn't like the last half of the movie but the very last scene i really liked because i felt like it really resonated with something that I like to be reminded of. Um, so I want to get into the accuracy of the movie and microaggressions against deaf people, but Berto, let's just first talk about the movie. What ranking, how many Bertos out of 10 would you give it? I would give it, um, I would give it a six. Mm, me too. Why would you give it a six? There are moments of the movie, when the movie starts, that whole first sequence when he is losing his hearing. Yeah. Oh my God, that was so impactful and hard to watch. Yeah. I, it was like a Curb Your Enthusiasm episode times 11. I was sitting there like squirming. I could barely watch because I, you know, we're musicians. Yeah. Hearing's important to us. And I was just imagining, I was putting myself in that situation, just going, and just the reality. And they did it so well where he's sitting there in denial in the moment. He's, he, we hear what he's hearing. Yeah. You can imagine if you're sitting at the store and all of a sudden, you can't hear. Everything gets dead quiet. For a second, you're just like, oh, I just got to, I probably just got to like yawn or something, you know, like, and then you're just in denial, but then it keeps going and you're, you're thinking, uh, but he's not saying anything to anyone because as soon as he makes it verbal, it's real and he, he just can't. And I was sitting there, oh my God, so good. Um, I also, it did it go it went in a direction that I did not expect. See, I was thinking that the movie was going to be more about him like finding a way to still do music or whatever. Definitely wasn't what the movie was about. It went in this other direction, and that was interesting. There was something about it that felt uneven to me, and maybe that's why you were feeling like because it um if I were charting my interest level, it definitely like peaked early and then sort of like squandered down, squandered down, and then kind of oscillated. And then towards the end, it picked up again. Definitely similar to what you're saying. So that overall, I feel very well acted, very impactful, some deep messages. Um, it could have been maybe rearranged a little bit. There's some things I would have spent less time on maybe. So that's for, why for me, it wasn't an amazing movie in spite of all those good things about it. Yeah, when you and I watched Roma, we had the complete opposite reaction but mm -hmm. we have the identical reaction <laughs> to this movie I, I i can't really add anything you, you said so weird. you said everything <laughs> that i would have said in the beginning i was like oh my god this is so interesting and so devastating and so well acted and well directed and and i'm i'm really in this guy's experience the way the sound design was but then the second half i'm like okay i'm kind of i find myself you know, I'm looking at my phone and, and then when he goes to Paris, I'm like, where is this movie? He's sitting in this room with his 
girlfriend's father and they're having some conversation about about what and then he goes to this party and and then and even the interaction between him and his girlfriend when they were in Paris I'm like what's happening right now and I I think I understood the the subtleties that were being communicated but it's but it was too jumbled that I I just didn't really understand I just, but then the very last scene I was like okay so yeah if it was the first 45 minutes I would have given it an 8 but yeah. the second 45 minutes I give like a 3 because it was, it just didn't have any oomph to it. It just, now, I, it didn't have I a will, story. Uh, I will say that I think both you and I might be victims of what the movie is trying to point out. But not, I agree, actually the whole Paris thing, I will say that's not what I'm saying. I'm talking about when he went to the camp. Because well, no, he, that, that, the first bit of that I kind of liked because it, oh, it. Okay, okay, fair enough. Okay, so for me, I was thinking. I, I kind of liked the beginning of the camp, but then I got a little bored. But but so I'm kind of guilty about what he was guilty of, because in my mind, I'm like, that's not the movie. Wait a minute. Now, forget all this stuff. I want him to, like, overcome his adversity, and, like, he could still be the greatest drummer in the world. And then the movie's like, that's not reality. That's not what's happening. And I'm like, but I want it to be the reality. So I'm kind of guilty of what he's saying. But then I will say, in spite of that admission... There is a point at which the movie actually starts losing the plot a little bit. And, and right. it's almost like if it were a TV series and you had a little more context. But instead, it starts adding too many little elements. Like, right. oh, the dad never liked him. In the fr-. It's like, wait, wait. Like, fine. Well, yeah, but yeah I, when he went to Paris, I was like, did I miss something? Like, was there reference to this earlier on? What's happening? And and I I just thought it was really just drawn out. The whole... Yeah. I, it, it felt like the writer had some bone to pick with Paris or the aristocrat of Paris or something. I just didn't understand. Like, mm-hmm. why are we here and why is this happening? Um, you know, on but on another level, you know, if you're in the mood, kind of like Roma, I think, you can just kind of let those scenes wash over you. And I think it could be enjoyable. But I, I just, yeah, I wasn't really into it. Uh, Rotten Tomatoes, Birdo, what do you think? Ooh, critics gave it a 96. 98, very close. Audience? Mm, 85. 90, pretty close. Okay. Okay, so accuracy. What do you think was accurate and what do you think was inaccurate regarding deafness or hearing loss in this movie? Well, I I don't know how suddenly it can come on. I'm, I'm imagining it can vary dramatically in how suddenly it can come on. I do think that... Um, one thing they represented well was how out, a fish out of water he would have been because, you know, if you're an adult and you have to learn a whole new way to communicate and be... In fact, they didn't spend enough time almost on it because there was a scene where he's like, ah, and then the couple scenes go by and now all of a sudden he's actually, you know, talking and stuff. But as far as the implant, at first I was really annoyed because I'm thinking, oh my God, this... They, so no one explained to him, or did he, did he just not listen to how this was going to work? It's not some magic. Um, it, of course, it's not going to be identical to what his hearing was. It's going to be difficult. It's going to take a long time for him to get comfortable with. And uh, I was very annoyed. At the same time, having recently been through dramatic medical issues, I am actually sadly so, not not as uh, opposed to that scene or that that sequence because... 
there's so many things they don't tell you and so many things that are like wishy-washy and so many things that don't work one way for someone. And so I'm still kind of annoyed because in reality, like I went after the movie, I went to the site, you know, they show like, I went to a couple of sites about cochlear implants and they, they clearly lay out like the caveats and who this is for and what it doesn't do and all these things. But it is maybe believable that in his state of sort of mania, he's sort of like, yeah, 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 whatever, just do the thing. And maybe they did explain it and he didn't pay attention. And that, that's fair. It's just that when they turned it on, he seemed so like disappointed by the lack of like normal hearing. And then the doctor in that scene, I was like, that's all you're going to, this is the extent of your bedside manners for right. him. <laughs> right. So I uh, looked up some sites from audiologists and uh, deaf people for the accuracy elements. And here's, and they, they comment on some of the things you're talking about. So the first thing is that uh, audiologists uh, and those in the deaf community seem to like the movie overall. It raises awareness. There's, ex- there's some extreme accurate portrayals. For example, a lot of the actors in the deaf in the deaf home in the deaf school are not actors. They're just they're just regular kids or regular people that are in the deaf community, and they're like when he's teaching drums. Though you know, you could tell those are actual deaf kids. Those are actual, mm-hmm. and and there was actually improv. You could tell that wasn't scripted, and so anyway, point is is that. Audiologists and deaf people in the deaf community, they like it, raise awareness, there's a lot of accuracy, the way it sounds, the way it feels, uh, like when he goes to the party. And I, it, as soon as he had the ocular implants, I thought, okay, well, at some point he's going to go to a crowd because this is one of the problems with these that I've, you know, I don't know that much about it, but I knew enough to know that when those, you know, our hearing, when it is optimal, it's integrated with our brain such that we can... It, we actually can uh, mute certain things that we're hearing. You know, like, Berto, you and I are at a party, for example. And you and I are, it's loud. There's music playing. There's conversations. Uh, there's a TV blasting. And you and all of it is pumped into our eardrums. But somehow yep. you and I can understand what each other are saying. How yep. can we do that? Well, it's because our brain can zero in on the sound frequencies or the the context of what the w- words are as opposed to the TV, as opposed to the thumping bass, as opposed to conversations across the room. And in the same way that, uh, and I do this sometimes, I'll be talking to someone and I'll hear a conversation. I was, I was at Mother's Day w- with my family and all of us were together, all vaccines, so we could all be without masks, which is just a wonderful, wonderful. Have you had that experience yet? Like a crowd of vaccinated no. It is it well because you're not vaccinated fully yet. It is a glorious experience, my friend. Like it is <laughs> transformational to to just sit around with my entire because my family we love to get together. You know what I mean? And right, all all the cousins and everyone. And and it, anyway, but I was talking with someone, and then my mom was talking literally in the other room, and she said my name, and it and it registered in my brain, and then. I would I switched from talking to someone right in front of me to to hearing a conversation in another room. Right. So so in my brain in addition to you know a numerous other input there are two conversations I could pay attention to but I can only pay attention to one 
and my brain, I didn't even, if you would have asked me, was my mom talking in the room? I would have said, I don't know. But as soon as she said my name, my brain went, what's going on in the other room? And I, you know, so, but these implants don't work in chorus apparently very well with that, with that brain ability. And all of the information gets shoved into your brain. And so uh, you can't differentiate between anything. And so it's just this, just a, a lot of noise that's just that's just yeah. coming into your head and and so i was wondering like when are they going to have the scene at the party and so apparently that's pretty accurate as well yeah, um, these things are going to get dramatically better um anyways with any luck over the next few years because they they have so you can do is you can have the the microphone the super high resolution microphone and at the same time you're detecting the the electronic signal, or not electronic, but the electric signals being actually generated by your real ears. And then you put that all in a, in a, in a model, in a machine learning model. And then that, that will improve dramatically the, because what happens is, you know, this bypass is basically just feeding elect- electricity straight into your brain instead of the waves getting processed. But that electricity is essentially a digital of super crude digital approximation of what actually the analog ear is processing and, and delivering. But the more they can train these models, it'll get, it'll get significantly better. But you know, in yeah. the meantime, yeah, there might be this like is what people can have. There might be like a setting, like, and maybe they have this of like, I'm at a party, focus on conversation frequencies instead of music frequencies anyway so inaccuracies this is from a few different websites and reddit and stuff so one which you mentioned was that loud noise exposure which was the implication that you know him playing in a band and being a drummer uh, does not cause sudden hearing loss like that typically it can but it doesn't typically typically it's slow over time like what you and i experience you know right. being, being advanced that because he went from seemingly totally fine hearing literally within two seconds boom boom he's gone almost complete loss of hearing and a lot of people online were saying in a case like that he needs to go he needs immediate treatment he needs to go to a ear nose and throat person steroids because you can actually reverse that typically Mm. and there are treatments that you can get it's not like it's gone forever but the way the movie treated it is like, well, it's gone and he's deaf now, essentially. Right. Like the neurons died overnight. <laughs> right. It can happen, but it's, it doesn't usually yeah. happen that way. The other thing that a lot of people were saying was that, like what you were saying, the professionals were extremely cold <laughs> and also, of course, didn't use the right lingo, which they never do in these movies. But, <laughs> but the way they came across to him, the patient was just extremely cold, which is... So common for movies and TV, you know, for therapists, you know, I, I tune into that, but you know, a lot of physicians like, well, son, you're never going to walk again. Anyway, moving on to the next patient, (laughs) that kind of thing. Um, again, though, I will say that based on my recent experiences, people are people and it varies dramatically. Yeah. Some people have it, some people don't. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. Um, also apparently it should have been mentioned to him that he could, possibly use hearing aids there was no trial of you know right. you don't need cochlear in cochlear implants 
uh, right away, like you should at least try hearing aids because he did seem to have some hearing, you know, it wasn't completely gone. And with with hearing aids, you just crank it up and you can actually uh, hear pretty well for some people. By the way, the other thing that bugged me is as a musician, I don't know if this bugged you. Oh, we'll get to this, that. Well, okay, we'll get to all the music and stuff in a second. Oh, no, so. no, no, no. And I, this wasn't about the music, but just oh. in the moment where they're trying to adjust his, his implant, when they turn it on, where the doctor turns it on, I was so frustrated because it seemed like, and maybe it's because it's an abbreviated scene for the movie, but they, they gave up almost immediately. It, it, there were clearly different settings, like yeah. different bands or frequencies. Right. She tried one. It's like, no. She tried another. No. And then she tried third. It's like, no. Oh, well, anyways, it's going to be bad. You're going to have to get adjusted to it. Yeah. I'm like, wait, 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 wait. Yeah. And plus, it seemed like there was no volume control on the thing. It's like, wouldn't you want to like start with it kind of low so it doesn't irritate him immediately? I don't know. Like, it just seemed yeah. like... Another thing we- about that scene that uh, <laughs> I felt was inaccurate is he's a musician and... He understands music and he's like, he's like, cause it's clearly a lot of treble. It's real tinny. You know, that, that's yeah. a word that we would use is, and he's a mixer. Like he's got a mixer. In his yeah. Head. He like understands, he, he understands the EQs. And yeah. so the word, correct me if I'm wrong. Like I thought he was going to say tinny. Like he's like, sure. he's, like he, he's like, it sounds a little, he's, and he's trying to search for words. And the only the word sound he, of metal, it's the sound of metal. <laughs> yeah. The only word that he could come up with was high he's like it's like it sounds high, you know it, it sounds it sounds you know and i thought he, well surely he's going to say tinny or trebly or too many high yeah. frequencies or crackly yeah. in the high end he says high which is something yeah. that a non-musician would say you know what i mean so it just it was like right. he wouldn't say that he'd say there's so many words for crackly high tinny sound anyway um also there the tent the premise that insurance would not cover the implants is also false that most oh, insurance really? uh, does cover it for sure yeah okay. some doesn't but but most most do uh, also that deaf communities usually do not reject people with implants some will but usually they don't and you know it was sort of a, it was sort of implied like us in the deaf community have accepted our deafness and those who get implants are ostracized and kicked out of the house and that a lot of people did not like that scene as well you know one thing that's hard for me to understand and 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 i guess this is the way it must have to be whenever i see the the scenes with the addiction aspects where they're trying to help him and this isn't just in this movie i always get annoyed by how inflexible they are like you can't have a visitor like you can't have this you can't smoke a cigarette whatever now i realize that that's because you know Addiction is almost impossible, and if they don't have these ridiculously fine lines that they have to walk, it, it might not help them at all. But, I, but as a viewer, it's so frustrating. I'm like, come on, let him have something. You know, let him have his visitor, whatever. Right. Uh, so I also looked up an article related to this movie, and it, written by someone who <laughs> is deaf named Sarah Novich. And they wrote about common microaggressions that deaf people experience. So, you know, mm. Berto, as a Colombian, a microaggression you experience is, oh, sure, cocaine. Or, uh, oh, uh, are you here legally? You know, you right. know, what other kind of microaggressions do you experience as a Colombian American? As uh, your uncle Pablo? Yeah. That was a common one. That, I mean, nowadays, not as much. When I first moved here, 
I don't, I don't think there was someone who didn't say that. Like it was crazy, <laughs> and uh, yeah, and in general, it was uh, language barrier. You know, I remember that that was a thing, language barrier. Um, meaning, uh, you told me that story. Like you were at work and a meeting, and you didn't seem to understand something, even though you're fluent in English. And because you're Colombian, they're like, oh, it must be a language barrier. Yeah, they confused me, like, try, maybe socially awkwardly trying to get someone to a meeting because I was told to bring them to the meeting with me not understanding English. It's like, okay. And then the other thing is, uh, when my mom was trying to enroll me in school, uh, she's like, okay, so he, he is bilingual and all these things, and he's, he's at the school there is really good. And then they were like, well, I mean, we, we should we should start him in the in the the lower class, uh, just you know, just to see how things go. Plus, he's gonna have to adjust to the language. And she'd be like, "No, no, he speaks like better than me. Like he's fluent." They're like, "Okay, well, it's just and they just they wouldn't believe her. Like they wouldn't listen to her." <laughs> so that was hilarious because yeah, as soon as I moved up and I started classes. The, the next parent conference, like, ah, we might have to move him up in the math class and, and like, a, a few other, you know. And it was like they just didn't believe her. <laughs> right. Right. So Sarah Novich writes online the following. When I meet a hearing person, I immediately begin stealing myself for their inevitable release of what I call the, th- the triad of microaggressions against mm-hmm. deaf people. Can you imagine what these are, Berto? What the triad of microaggressions against deaf? So you know, yeah, she meets someone, it becomes known that she's deaf, and they have. They I, say I would something. imagine they get in there to talk to them. They get right in their face and <laughs> and speak really loudly and over enunciate and move their lips really bigly. <laughs> uh, she didn't mention that, but I could see that. Anything else? Um, maybe it would be the. Uh, let's see. Let's see. Maybe in conversation, like, you know, uh, 15 minutes into a conversation, something that frequently they, a person would say. Sad. This is how blind I am to well, it. Well, well, well no think, think about what you would say and then later regret it. Like you're, you're somehow able to communicate with a deaf person. And they're like reading my lips or something. Yeah. yeah or you're using a, you know, text to speech to text thing. And uh, what, what question just kind of emerges from your cultural space that you imagine they get a lot you know i might say were you born deaf okay yeah like that might be one thing yeah i wonder i might say uh like i might just say are your like (laughs) the whole like are your other senses enhanced or something (laughs) yeah like are you like uh uh, the opposite daredevil uh, daredevil yeah. (laughs) yeah or i might say um i might say um, what happened? I don't know. Like, I might say like, can you, what does it feel like to not hear? I don't know. Something like that. I mean, yeah. I wouldn't really say these things, so, but I might. <laughs> yeah. So those, the last one is in line with one of the things. She's so good. So she says, number one, incredulity at deaf independence. Oh, like, so I pe- can't believe, oh, wow, you're deaf. Or, well, well, with your independence. So she says, for example, you can drive. So there's oh. always, you know, like if she, say she drives up and she gets out of her car, she walks into a party and they're like, wait, you just drove, you just drove up here by yourself. You can drive. So that's one. But that is, that is actually a good question I had as, as I was watching the movie, because 
my in my mind, don't you need to be able to hear sirens or hear loud honks or? Yeah, I'm sure know. there's some way around it. I don't know what it is, but okay. Uh, essentially, the microaggression of you must you know never leave the house because right. you're completely because incompetent you there's just no yeah. possible way you could live like a regular human without being able to right. hear that, that assumption number two is which i found to be very interesting which is comparison to an animal like oh my cousin has a deaf dog <laughs> oh oh my gosh okay that seems okay so so she's saying she gets this all the time this is, you know. Well, I wonder if with with a blind person, people might be like, "Oh, you're like a bat or something," you know? <laughs> right. Like it's like I'm an animal, like I'm another. Yeah, right, right. I'm and the flying, third one, the third yeah. one is intimation that death is preferable to deafness. For example, I would just die without music. Okay, so I'm surprised you thought I was going to come close to these. These are, <laughs> I mean. I mean, you're right that inside I might be thinking that because the reality is you would think, well, not, okay, not I would rather die, but rather, like, I can't imagine. Right. right? I can't imagine. So I actually, when I was watching this movie, I had that thought of like, oh my God, what would I do if I went deaf? Because podcasting, music, what would I do? Uh, I mean, my life would be over, but that implies that my life would be over. My life would not be over. And that's what deaf people are saying is just because you're deaf does not mean your life is over. It's not a death sentence. There's pl- plenty of enjoyment of life and plenty of things you can do while being deaf. It's fine. You know, it's, it, it, it it's not the end of the world and don't treat me like it would be the yeah. end. It don't treat, don't look at me and go like, Oh my God, if I were you, I would kill myself. Like, don't don't right. think that. Don't say it. It's not fair to me. It's not true. Don't be so obtuse. That kind of thing. So, in a very small way, I in no means mean to equate these things, but I have experienced a little version of this in my last uh, six to nine months. Um, because so, Graves' disease, which is what I was diagnosed with and stuff, um, is not curable. There is no cure. No one knows how it comes about, and there is no cure. And it can be really bad. It, you know, you can die from it. So I, you know, I came, I don't know how close I came, but I was in really bad shape. Okay. So, uh, from my mind, this was a period of adjustment to kind of realize kind of that similar feeling of there must be, uh, what, what pill do I take? What do I do? You know, like that, that manic feeling of like, what's the solution, doc? Just tell me, I'll do it, whatever. And just slowly realizing, oh, this is something that's happened to me. And there is no pill. I mean, there is a pill to make me not like die, but mm, but I'm here. This is here to stay. Okay. And then I had to realize, oh man, I might have to have like a thyroidectomy. They're gonna remove an organ from my body, and this is something that's happening to me. And it's like, well, just it's like your brain has a hard time processing this. Like, this is my new reality. Like. I'm a person with this incurable disease that has to have an organ removed. Like what? And of course it would be so natural to be like, I don't want to carry on or this isn't life or my life has changed. And, and I look, I, I belong to some support groups for these things. And man, there are, there's some really difficult stories on there worse than mine. And 
And they're like, wow. Let alone something that is even, you know, more day-to-day and, and kind of maybe more ostracized, all these things like losing your hearing stuff. I, I can see how that would be. But then once you're actually the person going through it, guess what? It's like the, you got to get busy living or busy dying. Like you, you, life, life goes on. You have to take your pills. You have to go to the doctor and it sucks and you don't feel great, but you have to do it. And then for people to then come in and be like, like if, and this has happened to me a few times, like this is what's happening to me. And the reaction naturally is like, oh my God, because I know what's happening in their head. They're going, oh geez. And I'm guilty of this, man. When you tell me your stories, when people tell me the stories, I go, oh, Jesus, oh, God, I don't want to even imagine that. And I'm realizing now, I'm like, oh, that's not good. Like, that, does that help the person feel better about their situation? Yeah, empathy. <laughs> empathy is good, obviously. Right. But assuming that the person is, has basically crossed the line where suicide yeah. is the only answer is, yeah. is, one, an overreaction, and two, hurtful. It, yeah, it, it gives the other person this feeling like, I believe you are a worthless human or you're such a sad sack. You might as well just die because what's the point of living? You know, yeah. empathy and feeling other people's feelings for sure. Yeah. Okay. So when we get back from the break, which we're about to take, then we will talk about what we liked about the movie and also about the cast and crew and also a little bit about being in a band and losing our hearing ourselves. Berto, what do you say? Let's do it. All right, we're back from the break. So if one of those not-so-good bedside manner audiologists were to convince the listeners right now to become a patron of the podcast, what would they sound like? Hello. So, you know, as you know, uh, you've lost your hearing and your sight, and you also, you know, we had to amputate your left pinky uh, and attach it to your shoulder. But uh, the thing is that these things happen. And uh, look, there's no point. I don't, what, what's happening here? Why, why are you making that face? Uh, look, bad things happen to bad people all the time. So you just got to get over this. Um, I, I will give you some good news. How's that? I'll give you some good news. Uh, now that you're going to have a lot of free time, because I don't even know what you're going to do with your life, I guess. Uh, why don't you go to this one site and become a patron of the Psychology in Seattle podcast? You might as well listen. Oh, you can't. Oh, geez. I don't even know. You know what? Just just become a patron and uh, take two of these and never call me again. All right. Let's do some OPPs, old patron praise. These O-P-P. five individuals were became patrons of the podcast in September of 2016. Every episode, I've been trying to highlight people who have stuck with us through thick and thin, through all the years. These people started as a patron in September 2016. We got good old Darren from Barrie, Ontario. We got good old Claudia. So I think at least three, maybe four of these five I've communicated with. So Claudia from, I think, Denmark, who is actually a more deserving listener. Who And then we got good old Rachel. We know Rachel, Berto. Hi, Rachel. From... Auburn, Washington, who's also a more deserving listener. Uh, we met Rachel in person. We've emailed a lot with her. She came to one of our live shows. That's I think right. she's active on the Facebook fan page. So thank you, Rachel, for sticking with us through all these years. We got 
Tammy from Weymouth, Massachusetts. And we got Renee, who I'm pretty sure I've interacted with Renee from Decatur, Alabama. So thank you, Darren, Claudia, Rachel, Tammy, and Rachel for Renee, sorry, for being a patron since September 2016. You are OPPs. Mm-hmm. Okay, so let's talk about being in a band and, and whatnot. Uh, so, Berto and I, we've been in a lot of bands over the years, sometimes together. And what I will tell you <laughs> is that <laughs> the drums are the loudest things on the on the universe. <laughs> <laughs> like <laughs> they are so loud like uh, unless you're unless you're playing like jazz with brushes or something like for a few for a number of years maybe five or ten years i played the drums myself and set out to learn how to play drums i couldn't stand how loud the drums were when i was playing them i when actually <laughs> i actually would play not with the i don't know what they call them but they're not the, the brushes, brushes but they're no. They're, um, it's like a bundle of sticks. I, I don't know what they call oh, them. Oh, yeah, I know what you're talking about. They hit the drums a lot uh, quieter. It's still pretty loud, but it's a lot more muted. And, <laughs> yeah, drums are just... And, you know, <laughs> you and me, Berto, we would be in bands, and it would just we'd be jamming with our guitars and bass and singing, and then the drummer would show up, and we couldn't hear ourselves anymore because no. the, the drummer is just so <laughs> loud. Do you remember how offended Michael got when i put the no uh, i put that barrier in front yeah. of him yeah so 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 berto and i were so berto and i were in this band and there's this drummer michael lovely guy and uh, amazing drummer yeah what was his last name michael mcdonald, McDonald wasn't his, wasn't his name michael mcdonald, michael McDonald <laughs> yeah, yeah. yes and <laughs> yeah, the, the, the voice or the what, right. white white lightning or what are they called anyway <laughs> velvet lightning or um so wow, i'm getting mixed up with mel torme who was <laughs> anyway point is is that uh, berto it was particularly upset like you have a lower tolerance than i do for the loudness of yeah drums. like absolutely like i'm okay with drums being loud a little bit but you I've really always like... had a hard time with loud noises yeah and you got these plexiglass barriers mm-hmm. to put up you know you, sometimes you'll see these at shows you'll see this plexiglass barrier in front of the drum set and it's it's the dead in the sound a little bit that's right uh so what did you do Berto? so I, I i was like you know i got it and at first he kind of went along with it and <laughs> and he was behind the thing. And I just remember him like saying to me, I think we did it maybe two practices. And then he, then he's like, I can't play behind this. Like, how, like, how dare you? Like, it's, it was like, don't so put baby in the corner. Him. Exactly. So I'm like, fine, fine. Sorry. <laughs> but, but man, that was hard. And so I tell you, I was so happy the moment we switched to, first of all, headphones, and the fact that Carlos played a digital set, except for the cymbals, but then with the headphones, it was okay. Oh, my gosh. My life improved dramatically. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I won't go into the weeds on that, but we could suddenly hear ourselves now. Yeah. yeah. Like, when it, you know, especially vocals, uh, it is so hard to get a good vocal volume that will compete with drums. It is it is almost impossible. Uh, being on stage, I have I've been on good stages. I've been on bad stages. It is almost impossible to 
and singing is the one thing on stage that you need to be able to hear yourself do. You don't have, you could play guitar, you could play drums and not hear yourself. You cannot sing if you can't hear yourself. You will be completely out of tune. Yeah. And until I got in ear uh, monitors, which I actually used your system, yeah. I I could not sing on key. Uh, <laughs> you you would come to some of my shows. And I'm sure you were nice to me afterwards, but, you know, I, I sometimes people would record, you know, audio or video and I would listen back to it. I'd be like, I'm not, I'm not anywhere near the note because I'm literally uh, putting, you know, uh, uh, breath through my vocal cords, but I can't hear anything that I'm saying. And I'm just like, I hope I'm near the note. I have, I really just don't know. Or you end up screaming so loud right. to, to overcome <laughs> the drums and you know because you well, everyone said well the guitars are loud too no the guitars are trying to compete if you don't have drums in the room the guitars mm. are a tenth the loudness like if you just if you just plug your guitar into an amp you do not right. want to turn it up to drums level you 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 have it down at a, oh. a regular volume and you could probably sing without a microphone in front of a guitar and be <laughs> yeah. okay but you you add the drums and the guitars and the bass they have to go up and the and the vocals just get they just disappear <laughs> absolutely but, but then berto you got these in-ear monitors and so for people out there you might see like beyonce or something with these they look like headphones that are molded to the inside of the ear and they are, you know, I actually, Berto and I, or actually I did this. You didn't do this. I actually went to an audiologist and they put, and got your own little mold. Yeah. They like put putty in my ear and waited mm-hmm. for it to, uh, you know, solidify. I actually did it. I did it, but I never got the thing. I, I, I have the molds still, <laughs> but <laughs> I never re- actually ended up getting the, the custom. It really works too. And yeah. what it does, it, it does double duty on one hand, it makes it so you can hear yourself because it pumps your own vocals into it pumps whatever mix you want to. But, you know, I just had pure vocals in my ears. The other thing it does is it completely shuts off the music to the room. Like you can't hear. So that, so that's the other thing I want to bring up, which is that, you know, when you and I started out in bands, the obvious solution is earplugs. We, you know, there've been earplugs for decades, but how did you feel about earplugs? No, it's terrible. I can't sing with earplugs. Yeah. And, and like here, I have recordings, like you were saying, I have recordings of myself from when I used to sing either to just a monitor and or with earplugs. It is unlistenable to, I, I can't believe, I'm so embarrassed. I'm yeah, like, oh, oh God. Oh my God. Me too. It's just the worst. Like, it's like I subjected the crowd to that <laughs> monstrosity yeah, And of you can't tonality. tell because especially those low frequencies trick your brain unless you have yeah. some sort of weird perfect pitch yeah. vocal cords or something now, by the now, way now, you know what, why this is so funny yeah because you said double duty yeah <laughs> uh, now what people do in big stages like you know pearl jam is one they will literally have dozens of audio vocal monitors and two yeah. that you'll notice the drums are far away <laughs> they're at a different level yeah. yeah they're they're all the way backstage you know right. from you know there's there's a separation and you know you get 10 20 yards from the drum set you, you can think straight but if you're right next to a drum set and on a small stage like the typical seattle stage Forget like get about it like your brain is mush <laughs> your eardrums are mush and the fact that you and i can hear yeah. at all is actually uh you know so getting back to earplugs yeah i early on i knew that if you blast your ears with 
loud noise, especially, you know, back in the day, we would practice every day. We, you know, every day it was, you know, yeah. and, or if I wasn't practicing, I was going to live shows myself, you know, and, uh, or listening to loud music on my stereo. And I was like, you know, I probably should wear ear earplugs. I had to put in earplugs and it just, it, I'd be like, what's the point? Like, I can't hear anything yeah. or it's all bass. It's like, I might as well just not even do this if it, yeah. and then they have those special ear, uh, you know, uh, earplugs that are supposed to let a little bit of the treble in, but those never really worked for me. Did they no. work for you? No, uh, I never had good luck and I didn't get good practices out of it because basically I would be straining my voice. I, I wouldn't hear right. And no, it was so on. I'm telling you, my life changed. So I, I, it makes me giddy. It makes me happy to think of missionary with our headphones Oh my god! I, I right. love so, it so right. much. Right, so we basically in, in in that band, we basically all had in ear, but we had over ear monitors. Yeah. And you actually, yeah, I remember we basically because we 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 kind of had our band was sort of like a, a little techno in a sense, like a techno look. Right. We, we had videos and we had lights and we had our headphones on, and so it kind of went with the it show. Fit. Yeah, yeah. It fit with the um, do you have tinnitus? I have a little bit. Um, if I if I'm in a completely quiet room, I certainly hear a tone. What does it sound like? It's kind of hard right now, but it's it's you know. I have it all the time. I, I have tinnitus. <laughs> like I've, it's just become my friend. My from my understanding, I'm not as bad as other people. Like there's some people where it's just like a piercing tone oh. all the time. But for me, yeah, it's really it's it's slightly staticky. Mm. Like I can hear it right now. It's slightly staticky, but it's also like, oh god, I, I don't even know if it has a has a frequency. It, it's definitely in the high range somewhere. Mm -hmm. But <laughs> it's it's more like high frequency, like a high snow sound. You know? Shh, yeah. Shh. Okay. Interesting. Um, to the point where. Uh, at night when I go to bed, I have to have a white noise machine because... Oh, to mask it. Because if I hear it, it drives me crazy in the silence, yeah. you know. Um, but in my later years, I definitely started wearing earplugs. Like, I, for a while, I actually would carry uh, earplugs in my wallet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, could, I, I don't know if you remember me. I would always have earplugs with me. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> I do remember you pulling him out. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, I was always so pissed off because I have tons of earplugs all over the place. But I would inevitably go out to see some show and I would get there and I'm like, ah, oh, I forgot my earplugs. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Luckily, they started selling. Actually, they started giving them away for free in a lot of shows, sometimes selling them. Yeah. But they always uh, had the crappy, like super hard ones. You yeah. It's never yeah. like the, the good soft ones. Yeah. The other thing that causes hearing loss is is being pod you know being a podcaster with headphones. Like we've been Oh really? Yeah. Like I know uh, not us per se, but radio people. I will oh, hear them I talk see. about how their hearing will go bad because they will wear headphones when they're recording for monitors and they will kind of crank it because it, it does oh, feel I like right now I, I'm wearing you and I are wearing headphones, but I have my headphones down kind of low. Lower than I want it to be. Because yeah, I am trying to save my hearing. 
If I, I watch The Sound of Metal, right. I'm scared. <laughs> if I crank to this to where I would want it to be, where it's more satisfying, it's louder, it actually is probably too loud. And um, mixing, oh my gosh, mixing music can be devastating. <laughs> right, because you need to listen to it loud. You can't listen to it quiet. You got to listen to it at, you know, with all the energy coming out of the speakers. But, right. Um, so let's also nerd out a little bit about the depiction of the band in the mm-hmm. movie. What what did you see or what did you appreciate? So it was a little white stripe-ish, you know, but not, uh, the style was definitely metal, but. Or punky. Punk metal. Um I love the fact that, I mean, he was so into it. I, I did love that initially where he's like so intense. And there was this interesting interplay. I don't know. I don't know exactly what the ultimate thing they were trying to convey because there was this kind of, in fact, I, at first I interpreted the scene of them playing together. I interpreted that they, their relationship was rocky. But then when they showed us their relationship, actually, they seemed to have a great relationship. So it was like, but they were pouring a lot of emotions into their playing. And I did love that idea that they were, they were like, you know, kind of, because the kind of music it was, they were playing off of, of each other. Um, it was definitely not, you know, a, 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 a four, four it, kind of. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And, and so I really liked that. It, it's not my style of music. I will say it was too far on the, on the noise spectrum. Yeah. For me. It was sort of art noise. Yeah. Music, yeah. But they were clearly good at what they were doing. <laughs> yeah. And he, what it, they, they weren't lip syncing, either one of them, I could tell. And right. so often in these movies, so often, it drives me nuts. There, actually, musicians will be right. cast in the movie and they will still lip sync it. And it, yeah, yeah. it always drives me crazy. Yeah. And it's so obviously lip synced, you know, yeah, she, it's like she was singing, he was playing. <laughs> yeah. It's like, you know, they're talking, they're talking, they're talking. And then all of a sudden they, they break out into song and you can tell that the microphone <laughs> the is really is close different. to their mouth. You know, that the reverb kicks in. It, it's just yeah. so dumb, but yeah, I could tell they were actually playing it. Um, there actually wouldn't be any way for him to lip sync it because it was so free form playing. Yeah. Uh, but I read an article that said she was actually playing as well. You couldn't really tell per se, but uh, but she was too. Oh, the guitar. Yeah, the the woman playing yeah. and singing. Uh, but yeah, there were so many parts of the depiction of the band that were realistic. You know, there were well, so many way, parts of it that I was like, oh my God, that is exactly how it is. Absolutely. And I loved their van, dude. I was yeah. like, oh my God, he's got a recording studio. Well, so, they can so, travel from gig to gig. The, the <laughs> one thing that kind of bugged me was the massive... A mixing board uh like one of the things that drives me <laughs> crazy two of them <laughs> yeah there's two people in the band and they probably aren't mixing like lots of different things and plus like it's in his van so why would he have a mixing why would he have a 24 channel mixing board in his van you know what i mean like, <laughs> i mean the drums he might be miking them so you know yeah yeah okay that takes up that you need at least a 16 i, I think a 16 is what you might need if you have a drum set but it, it always just kind of drives me nuts that people equate good recording studio scenes with the mixing board. They are, they're always looking at the mixing board. Oh, you know what I mean? You know what? The, this makes me miss my little rig. You know, remember? Because we had the mixing board. We yeah, had yeah. the laptop. But it was tiny. It was, what was it? Like a, like a 12-channel, you know, mixing board. No. No, no, no. You're forgetting. Uh, I mean, tiny. It was a 16-channel. Yeah. But it was yeah. it wasn't giant. It was like no no no. It was, no. It was, it was a regular it rack. No, no. It was a regular rack. Yeah, exactly. Rack with yeah, and a nice one. Allen and Heath. 
like 20, really was nice I 18, 24 inches anyway. But yeah, so many parts of the band uh, depiction was realistic. Like, and so many, <laughs> so many band. In fact, I would venture to say there is nothing that comes close to this movie. Can you think of any movie or TV that depicts what it's actually like to be in a band like the way this movie does? Can you think of, <laughs> can you think of anything that even comes close? I feel like didn't, I don't know. There must be something. But no. It, this was really good. <laughs> like, I think of Reality Bites, you know, when uh, uh, Hawk, Ethan Hawk is Not on realistic. stage. <laughs> yeah, it's. I just remember, I was in a band at the time, and I just remember yeah. watching Reality Bites. I was like, come on. But, you know, it's Hollywood. <laughs> right. Um, there's There were so many things about this that were so dead on. Like, the fact that they were playing in really small shows. Yeah. Like, the shows they were playing were what looked to be like, you know, 25, 40 people at the most. And that's, that's the, that's when you're doing well, you know, yeah. especially yeah. if you're on tour, cause you're going to towns where no one, you don't have no any friends, you. you know? Yeah. And so the fact that you have 25 randos in that town showing up to your gig and, and the gigs are so unglamorous, you know, right. they, they weren't on a giant crocodile stage. They were on some of the shows. They looked like they were just in a room and the people were just standing around them. Yeah, but but that particularly the punk scene. This is how it operates. You know what I mean. But you and I, even on our bands, even if we weren't in the punk scene, you know, we literally would play parties in people's living rooms. <laughs> yeah, like my living room. <laughs> yeah, your living room. Do you, well, do you remember that living room party we went to? Yeah, uh, <laughs> and uh, there were kids. There were like four year olds at the yep. party, and they were yep. they were the dancing ones in front of us, and we're we're trying to be cool, like the Strokes or something. And they're that's just, right. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's true. We're all like, yeah, this is cool. And yeah, we weren't the like the Wiggles, kids. you know what I mean? We, we we were trying to be hip and cool, and you know, we're like thirty five and playing to you know seven year olds. We see all the adults kind of like clapping and excited, but they're not. It's not because of us. Cause it's because the kids are dancing. They're yeah, they're like, all uh, like, yeah. <laughs> uh, but anyway, so the yeah the venues, the music, uh, all the all the paraphernalia, like the posters. Mm-hmm. And the T-shirts. I like their band name, Black Gammon. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And the merch and the RV and how kind of how, how it feels like you're just moving from town. Did you ever tour at all like that? No, I mean t- touring only in the sense that we took my missionary van and we drove it all the way from Olympia all the way up to Everett and stuff like that. So. We would we would play venues that were far, far but yeah. we didn't go on a tour like no. overnight or anything. Yeah. Um. No. So yeah, I really liked all that. Uh. Uh. What else did you like about the movie, Bruno? Uh. I. I. So in general, the the acting and or non acting, because like I get that a lot of people were just being themselves, but I even the parts that didn't make so much sense to me, like everything felt legitimate. Nothing felt like. Oh, these people are just, you know, acting and stuff. And it's particularly his depiction. I was like, I was really feeling it. I guess if if, if there was anything that didn't actually feel legitimate, uh, it was a little bit of the interaction with the doctors, in spite of what I mentioned earlier about my mixed feelings. It, it did feel, I don't know, it, feel, it felt somewhat uh, artificial, you know? Yeah. Uh, but anyways, so, but I loved his acting. I, I liked her. I liked the the main mentor guy, the the main yeah. deaf mentor guy. He, Paul, he the, the actor, Paul Racy. Paul Racy. Yeah. 
I thought he I when I was when he first came on the in the movie I was like that guy is so real he has to be that guy like yeah. I, I had to look him up and it said that he was an actor I was like he doesn't he seems like he is that yeah. guy right. he looks like that guy he talks like that guy like he can't be an actor. This must be they borrowed him from his real world. Yeah, they just say, hey, they you? just yeah, he is that he works at that place. No, he's an actor. <laughs> and I loved you know, it it takes so much skill and experience to be able to confront someone with the reality. And you know, you and I might um might disagree or someone might disagree with the community ostracizing someone or not. But the point was that ability for him to just tell it very straight like, "Hey, if you're going to do this, you have to leave today. And I was like, wow, man, that's that's someone who knows how to set boundaries. I was yeah. very impressed. <laughs> yeah. And really well acted, really well directed, well written. Yeah. Um, yeah. What I'll say about the movie, even though I give it a six out of ten, I, there's really almost nothing about the movie I didn't like. It was, yeah, it was just funny about it. It was just like the the second half just wasn't set up well. Like I, I wish yeah. they just would have... The writer just would have given the you know director and actors like something to work with in that second half that just had more. Yeah. But but you could also say like I was saying earlier, life isn't like a plot line. Sometimes it is random and doesn't follow your typical hopes for a story. You know, sometimes it just that's what happens. You know, and I think Look, that's I what hear the movie you. was trying to go for. I hear you. So sure, and you know what I love about that that in Pulp Fiction, freaking. John Travolta's in the in the can and gets killed unglamorously, even though you're like, oh, these guys are so badass, and that's how he does. Like, I like that, right? But that's still entertaining. What what was odd for me was the whole storyline with the dad sem- seemed like a sort of maybe a different movie we could have right. had. Yeah, I, I literally during well not literally i i need to stop using that word figuratively <laughs> well not even figuratively i'm just sort of emphasizing <laughs> why do i need to histrionically emphasize what i'm about to say what i'm what i'm saying is that in that moment with the dad with the you know his girlfriend's dad i thought i i, I thought i must have missed something because yeah. why is he having this conversation with his girlfriend's dad like w- what's going right. on is this a sequel? I, 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 I just, I, I, and that, and that lasted for a good 15, 20 minutes. Yeah. And that's when the movie lost me. I thought, I don't want to be here anymore. <laughs> yeah. But so anyway. it was, it was unfortunate because. Well, well acted, you know, yeah. uh, well delivered. I liked the scenes. I loved, I even kind of liked that house that they lived in. It just, it had cool stuff. That the books and the yeah. you know and the stacks and stuff it, you just think oh this this guy reads awesome books kind of thing yeah um but uh, yeah real looking people the sponsor scene when he gets on the phone with the sponsor in the beginning do you remember that scene oh my gosh that was awesome because he's so upset all he had was a cigarette and he, and it, he does a great job he's like I th- I mean. I think based on everything that's happened, like, and I'm sitting there with him. I'm like, yeah, I tend to agree with you, dude. Yeah. That scene, um, that scene was so accurate. Like yeah. the, the, the writer and the director, everyone must really know what conversations are like between mm-hmm. people struggling with substance abuse and their sponsors when they are relapsing. Like it was, Oh, right. It was so accurate. And Riz 
Ahmed, Riz Ahmed. Um, I don't know how to pronounce his last name. I'm going to say Riz Ahmed. Um, he just nailed it. He, I mean, the facial expressions, the emotion, you believed it. You believed yeah. that he was going through that. It was so spot on. And I felt so annoyed for him that, because I'm like, stop making that face. Like, there's a problem. Like, there is a problem, but it's not the problem you think that's the problem. And what are you saying to him? I'm like, I feel you. I feel you. I feel you. Yeah. At the same time, I feel what they must be going through right yeah. now because she's worried you're about to go do something terrible to yourself. Right. I also uh, loved that there was no villain in the movie. That so yeah. many movies like, and I'm sure Hollywood was like, you got to spruce it up. There's got to be a villain, right? There's got to yeah. be like, Lou has to cheat on him or the guy, the mentor at the the house with the deaf people, he's got to, he's got to have like a dark secret or, you know, there's got to be some villain or, <laughs> or another thing is he's got to use drugs. Like you, though, I thought this whole movie was one big setup for him to have a massive relapse on heroin. But he never right. does. They I mean, they had all the tension of someone who would relapse, and he never did. Right. And and then I'm so spoiled by movies that I actually was thinking, this is so silly, but I was thinking that when, when he got the things and they turn it on and it sounded all, you know, metally, <laughs> I literally thought he was going to have some realization like, oh, like discover a new sound, discover a new sound. And then he was going to like play drums sort of like in a weird new way. And I'm thinking, oh, maybe. That, oh, yeah. Which I, I realize that. That, that's like, the Hollywood. That's the Hollywood. That's, that's not even a Hollywood. Yeah, that's the the super. But no, that's but in the, my the, mind, I, I, we could definitely imagine a Hollywood after school yeah, special being like, look, he 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 has this special ability now, and he's better than other drummers. <laughs> His senses are enhanced. Yeah. <laughs> um, and of course, a person of color lead, which was awesome. They did not have to have him they could have had anyone in fact it was originally cast with a white guy who like a skinhead type dude or something no it was someone famous and actually dakota oh. johnson was supposed to play lou really and uh, then they went like unknown i like it yeah who dude was... unknowns are so much better for indie movies yeah. so much better well, because they're, well he... they're not so unknown but more unknown than the big actor unknown enough because like when when you're like imagine seeing unless it's a, a part that it, that fits what they're doing but imagine just as an extreme example imagine um what's his name uh well i you know just like imagine leonardo in this movie at this point in his career as the lead it's it I, he he'd do a great job but it's also like it's leonardo come on what are we doing here yeah i don't know it's harder for me to buy it at that point so, uh, Riz, uh, is it, I want, I want to figure out how to pronounce his name. I, I don't know if they have it here, but is it Riz Ahmed or Riz Ahmed? I'm, I'm, anyway, he, I love him. Um, do you, do you remember what else he's been in, Berto? No, I don't. I, I, he looked familiar, but I don't know. So he was in Nightcrawler. He was, oh. he was the buddy to oh, Jake Gyllenhaal. Yeah. He was in Rogue One. Huh. He was one of the rebels. <gasps> he was in Rogue One. Yes, yes. And the same year, 2016, he's in a, I think, an HBO series called The Night of, which oh. I highly recommend. Really okay. good. Really I think good. You, you already told me about this. Mini series. Really good mini series. Yeah. 
And he was also in The Sisters Brothers, which I don't think you've seen, Berto. It's a Western. No, I have not. Uh, with, is it Joaquin Phoenix and um, John C. Riley? Very good movie, Sisters Brothers. But anyway, and he's been in a lot of other things as well. But he is a British actor and rapper. He is, he's, he's an British actual hip hop. Yeah, he, like I think he was known for his hip hop before he was known for his, oh. which is interesting. Um, but I'm reading from, I believe, Wikipedia here. For eight months, Ahmed prepared for the film by spending two hours a day learning American Sign Language. Two hours a day, or no, this is from IMDb. Two hours a day learning American Sign Language. Two hours a day in drum lessons. Two hours a day with a personal trainer. And the remainder with his acting coach. So for uh, several months, eight months, <laughs> he had to learn sign language, drums, you know, all these sorts of things. I've always felt that that's the best thing about being an actor. You got to really that, dive in deep. Yeah, like eight hours a day getting better at things. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Uh, during scenes where Ruben is struggling to reconcile with his hearing loss, the actor wore auditory blockers deep inside his ear canal that emitted white noise. Wow. So he So he made himself, he, he yeah. couldn't hear. Uh, he told USA Today, I couldn't hear anything, including the sound of my own voice. After some time, he decided to forgo the sound blockers and simply immerse himself in deaf culture by communicating with the director and deaf cast almost exclusively through ASL. Wow. Yeah, pretty pretty good commitment there. So he was uh, uh, you know, nominated for Best Actor for Oscar, and this was uh, the first time – well, so uh, – well, this was the first time that in the Oscars that the majority of the nominees were persons of color. So you had him, and then you had uh, Chadwick Boseman, and you had Stephen Yun for Minotti. You also had Gary Oldman. So and, do do you think Anthony that they're Hopkins. just like are there are they just like doing this to overcompensate? What's going on here? Are you asking that seriously? Yeah, I mean, it could they be. must because yeah, it wasn't Cause, it cause, just you know, two years ago where everyone was white. Yeah, Oscars <laughs> Oscars so white or something hashtag Oscars yeah. so. So, well, so there's a number of factors that I've heard from, you know, people who know these sorts of things. One is, is yes, and probably rightfully so, uh, in terms of like, hey, we should probably pay attention to people of color. And particularly since we're, we're having an awakening in our country. But two, they've opened up the Oscar uh, voting crowd to more young people and mm. people of color. So that makes sense when you add young people and people, you know, because Oscars were always old white people. And so and it, maybe the, the directors and movies are casting more people of color and that, too. Right. And 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 producers or, you know, movie producers are greenlighting more movies with people of color. You know what I mean? So it's, I, can, can we find a different phrase? I hate that phrase. People of color. Yeah. Like you say, brown what, brown people. Skin has color. There's always color. Brown people. I, I guess non-white I people. Non-white. It's they're not even white. No one is white. Non-pink. <laughs> uh, anyways, okay. Darker small, than pink. Small detail. <laughs> There's BIPOC. How about BIPOC? Do you like BIPOC? Uh, I forgot what that was. Black indigenous <laughs> person of color. Okay. Um, the director Darius Martyr also wrote The Place Beyond the Pines, 
which is a movie I keep telling you to watch, but you never That's watch. Right. Because I don't like rec- recommendations. <laughs> <laughs> no, eventually I get around to things, and every time I'm pleasantly surprised, or, or not pleasantly surprised, I'm, I'm happy that I finally did it. The Place Beyond the Pines, people. Watch that movie. So, yeah. Um, can I recommend this movie? Yes. Uh, just settle in for not a Hollywoodish movie. The performances are amazing. The the way it looks. Okay, here's another nitpick I have. Before watching this movie, I heard that, oh my God, the sound design is so amazing. Mm. The sound design is so innovative. And did you think it was? I mean, I didn't watch it in a theater with surround sound, so I don't know, but... Mm, it that's not something that stood out to me. Right. Obviously, the fact that they simulated what it's like to you know lose your hearing and then hear with high pitch, but I didn't find that to be. I mean, that's not that hard. No, I didn't find that to be mind blowing. Yeah, I don't. <laughs> it's not that hard to do. I think it's it's mind blowing in that no one has done it as well before. Maybe, but yeah, you and I who know sound production understand how it wouldn't be that hard to ask someone and really dial in the frequencies or you know like one of the things that when we're in his perspective is you hear that low rumbling you know the and then it, you kind of hear the base of people talking but it's not like he doesn't hear at all he there's something he's hearing but it's it's this kind of right. low <clears throat> white rumbling noise and that's not hard to create, <laughs> you know. Well, like, that's one of those DJ knobs. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so when I saw the movie, I was expecting it to be just a soundscape of like amazing innovation. And interesting, and I hadn't I, even heard that. Yeah, and I, there, yeah, I definitely didn't think of that. Yeah, I mean, it was definitely good, but I, I didn't walk away going like, "Holy mind grapes!" My right. brain is blown. You know. Right, right. So, uh, but you know, it was good. I just wouldn't say it was like like when I watched Tenet, I was I was impressed with the audio. In fact, because people were dogging on it, like you can't hear the voices and stuff. You couldn't. I was like, I was really annoyed I, with that. I wasn't. I was like, I love this audio, and, and I I honestly wonder if it varies dramatically from setup to setup, because I watched it with my brother. Neither of us had a problem understanding. Both of us thought the audio was awesome, and it was in my setup, which is just a, I don't have, it's not surround sound, but it does have two stereo and the center channel and the bit and the sub. I don't know. It sounded yeah, great. About, I mean, especially when the action got going, about half of the dialogue, I didn't, and it was so important to hear the dialogue because it was confusing to begin with. You know what I mean? Yeah, but that's why I'm wondering, like, what the heck happened that, that some people, maybe the majority, I don't know, because for me, I never had that problem. That's so weird. Yeah. All right, Berto, final word on The Sound of Metal. Um, it was impactful. I, I had a lot of feelings watching it. Um, I wished that it had been a little tighter in the end. I would have easily given an eight. But overall, great acting. I learned a lot, actually, about the community, I felt. And um, so... Totally. Let's let's see more movies like this. And that does it for that episode of Psychology in Seattle. Everyone out there, please take care of yourself because you deserve it.